Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Tyree Dillingham. She is a financial empowerment trainer and advisor based in San Diego, California. How are you doing, Tyree? I'm wonderful, Brad. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you so very much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us. I truly appreciate you taking the time out and I appreciate you. Thank you. So let's jump right in. Tyree, you are a performance and accountability coach. You are a financial empowerment trainer and advisor. You have experience on many different levels from corporate to government sectors and have worked with athletes, celebrities. How long have you been in the world of performance and and accountability coaching? Oh, Brad, I've I've been doing this probably about 10 years now, I would say. Um yeah, I think it's been been right. It's kind of morphed over the last 10 years, but I'd say I've been doing it about 10 years. Oh, and what inspired you to get into the world of being a performance and accountability coach? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that most most people who, who teach or coach something do it because they're either really good at it or they really weren't good at it. <laughs> and so, you know, I performance has always been, I, I've always been a really successful in my career and, and a high performer in many, many different ways. And, but I kind of struggled with the accountability thing a little Uh bit and, you know, it was really going through my own transformational journey that brought me here when I realized when I had coaches that were holding me accountable and it was kind of uncomfortable at first, I was like, Oh, I don't really like, you know, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not like the star of the class and the straight (laughs) A student and, you know, like I'm playing by my own rules over here. And so it was really me going through that process on my own that led me to not only see how to, how to systematize it, but more importantly, how to help other people. And that was something that was, was really um, eye-opening for me because being in the, I worked largely in politics for the majority of my life and I was around high performers and people who were already performing and had a lot of accountability. And and when I ventured into some of the private and government sectors, it was interesting to see people lollygagging and, you know, doing things at their own pace or not right. doing them at all. And so not only was I, was I going through my transformational journey, but I also got to see that there was a lot of people that needed it. Right. Was that, so was it, you, you worked in the government sector for a fair bit. So was that transition or transformation for you pretty a natural progression then into what you're doing, what you started doing as a, as an accountability and performance coach? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, I, w- I was working in the political world. It was very fast paced and high pressure. Mm. I had like three Blackberries. It was insane. Wow. On somebody else's schedule. And when I, I had my big aha moment when, when my mom had to have surgery Okay. and I realized that I wasn't showing up for the people that mattered the most in my life. And so when we were transitioning out of office, I was like, what am I going to do next? And I really had no idea because working in, in politics, I mean, I worked on a gazillion different campaigns and, you know, got to do some really epic stuff. And I couldn't imagine what would be as rewarding as that. So I was actually kind of lost for a little bit and, and didn't really know where I wanted to go. And then I kind of found myself in the center of all this world of athletes and 
and celebrities and, you know, I mean, I've always really been around celebrities most of my life, but, you know, I, and I had to go on my own journey and really try things on that didn't fit me in order for me to see and be connected to myself and, and realize that there was other people that, that needed me and, and kind of practice and start working with other people to realize what a gift I really had and, and get to share it with other people. Amazing. What excites or lights you up the most about being a performance and accountability coach? I think, no, I know <laughs> that that's, that's one of my big things is, is monitoring language because yes. it's so powerful. And I think that what really, I know what really excites me the most. <laughs> I love I, it. There, there I am, right? Yeah. But, uh, is is getting to hold space for people and seeing what's possible for them before they see it for themselves. And so a lot of people, I was so blessed to grow up in such a loving, amazing, not only household, but community. It was like this little small incubator Mayberry type setting that I grew up (laughs) in. And so I had this really high baseline and just kind of thought that everybody had those blessings like I did. And when I really started to to do a lot of philanthropic work and things like that, and to realize that that not everybody was as blessed as I was, and that I get to show people their gifts inside of them, and that I can see it and dial it in and look past the ego-based conversations that they're having right. that are standing in their way and and watch them have their own aha moments and really feel it in their body. Amazing. That That must just feel incredible. It's fabulous. Now, Tyree, you have teamed up with NFL Hall of Famer Marshall Falk to create an initiative slash program. Can you tell us about how this relationship with Marshall came to be? <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of a funny, funny, cute story. But um, I've known Marshall for about 21 years. Wow. So I met Marshall actually at the first like club we had in San Diego about okay. 21 years ago. And I was just this kind of rambunctious 21 year old and he uh, sent a drink over to me at the bar (laughs) and that I didn't order. And so the bartender brought it up to me and set it down. And I was like, what is this? I didn't order this. And Mm -hmm. and he said, Oh, that gentleman at the end of the bar sent it to you. And I said, Oh, well send it back. I I don't need it. (laughs) He's like, no, you want this drink. And I said, well, no, I don't. He's like, yeah, you do. And do you know who that is? And I said, no, who's that? And he's like, that's Marshall Falk. And I said, who's Marshall Falk? (laughs) And he's like, he was just the MVP of the Super Bowl. He's a really big deal. I'm like, oh, I definitely don't want the drink. Please send it back. (laughs) And so he sent it back. And like the bartender was dying because obviously he was a fan. I had no freaking idea. I know nothing about football. I was like, okay. So Marshall came over and he said, uh, no woman has ever sent a drink back. Wow. (laughs) And I said, well, I guess there's a first time for everything, isn't there? And he's like, I'm Marshall. And I said, well, I'm Tyree. We talked for a few minutes. And then he asked me for my phone number. And I said, oh, no, 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 thank you. (laughs) He said, well, can I give you mine? And I said, no, thank you. And he wrote his number down on a on a piece of paper. And Mm -hmm. he's like, here. And and so I, somewhere in a box in the garage, I have a, I have his number shoved in a shoe box because I, I got, I went home that night and yeah. on the next day I was talking to my, my buddies and they, I was like, yeah, I met this football player last night. And they were like, who is it? I like pull out this piece of paper and everybody was freaking out. I had no idea. <laughs> and so I never called him. I never spoke to him. And, you know, San Diego is the smallest big city that ever was. And yeah we would keep running into each other. Marshall and I both did a lot of work um, in the philanthropic world and work with, with inner city kids. And so our paths kind of kept crossing and, you know, every couple of years he'd try to give me his phone number. And, you know, eventually once I saw the commitment that he had to the community, I was like, okay, well, that's something. And so we really got to, got to be close in that space and in, understanding our, our mission and vision and purpose in life. And so kind of the, the rest is really history. And 
uh, we worked on a number of different initiatives together. And, you know, now we're, we're on this crusade together and he now owns the club that we met at and and, and we're changing lives together. So, you know, who would have thunk it? He, so he he always jokes. He says, I guess you should have taken that drink, huh? That's so funny. He now owns the club that you guys met at. That is hilarious. Well, speaking of working together and the initiative that you and Marshall have teamed up to bring to the world, can you talk to us a bit about that, what it's all about? Yeah, absolutely. This has definitely become my passion project. Mm -hmm. And so he, uh, Marshall has retired twice now and once from the NFL and then once from the NFL network. And he, what I love so much about him is that he understands that, that he was put here for a greater purpose. Yeah. And so he is one of those guys that can't help himself, but to help other people. And so he found this initiative about financial literacy and he's like, listen to this. Let's, let's check this out. And I initially think we both thought that it was going to be for, for inner city and, and teaching people about financial literacy. And what we quickly realized was that this is not just an inner city issue. This is like a, a collective challenge that we have teaching people about their finances. And most people are, are not learning about money and how it works and how to make it work for them. And so for me, I had gone to San Diego State, got my business degree, and then went to Georgetown for my MBA. And when he sat me down and took me through some of these initiatives, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. And, you know, he said, all right, this is, this is what we're doing. And I want you to come in. I want you to coach the team and do some of your performance and accountability coaching. And, Mm -hmm. you know, let's, this is what we're doing together. Let's build this empire. And I was like, okay. So (laughs) I, I really started to coach the team. That's, that's how initially he, he got me in the door. It was like, Hey, come on and do this and, and, and coach them and sprinkle your sparkle all over the (laughs) Sprinkle (laughs) your sparkle. I love it. and, And let's go, let's go do this. And, Then once I kind of got into it and I started to realize from the coaching space, I understand the power of money and that money is currency. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called that. It's really just a physical manifestation of energy. Okay. And so I coach about that because money, how you spend it, where you spend it, all these different things tells me so much about your self-worth and the conversation that you're having on the inside. We all have the power to create as much financial prosperity as we want when we come from an abundant space. Right. And so once I started to see the tool in action, because I always focus my coaching on the beingness, okay. who you're being, how you're being, what ways of being are creating what is manifesting in your life. And so then for me to see this tool, which I would put in the doing this category, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is really freaking powerful. And so we set out on a mission to educate a million families about their finance and Marshall, cause he always likes to be extra decided <laughs> that, that we're also going to turn a thousand people into millionaires, which wow. has never been done. And so I am always up for a good challenge. And of course, being the do-gooder that I am, I'm like, yep, let's do this. And so here we are. That is awesome. So amazing. Now, how long ago was this initiative created? Well, let's see here. The The company itself were actually owned by Transamerica. Okay. So Transamerica Financial Advisors, obviously most people are kind of familiar with that, at least in the States. It's one of the largest uh, financial services providers in the country. Uh And we are a part of the marketing arm of Transamerica, which means that we can sell not only Transamerica products, but other products. And really the interesting thing about what it is that we do is that we're kind of like the Uber or the Airbnb for the financial services space. Okay. So Uber and Airbnb went into existing industries and revolutionized them. And, you know, I mean, nobody, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my mom was like, don't get in the car with strangers. Yes. (laughs) And and now I use my phone to call a stranger and I pay them to drive me somewhere. Yeah. And 
I think that what we do is we've created an educational, and I mean, you're going to hear me talk about this the entire interview, but life is all about energy. And what I love about what we do is that it's all about giving back and focusing out and educating people. And so really the educational piece has evolved, I would say, long before Marshall and I came into the space. We just have have taken it and kind of made a fresh face for it or fresher face and an ever-evolving face of being able to be relatable and palatable when it comes to financial services. Okay. Now, how, Tyree, has your role evolved since you were first brought on board to what you're doing currently? Well, I mean, it's it's always evolving. I mean, oh. when people ask me, what do you do? I always say, whatever it takes. And That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> and that. You know, it's kind of like, well, what is your, people always ask about titles and, or like, what is your title? What do you do? And I mean, I think that when I was in my twenties and thirties, that was maybe something that was really important to me. Like I needed a fancy title or my title defined me. And as I went through my transformational journey, that kind of went away. It's kind of like having a fancy email address, you know, I'm like, Hey, if you don't know who I am, then (laughs) (laughs) if you need my email address to tell you that I'm valid, then, you know, I've got a bigger problem. But my role has been, has, is constantly changing because it's about not only my coaching, but I am mothering in a way, a lot of people, I am a mirror for people. I'm an educator a trainer. So, I mean, I think that much like life for most people, if you're in a leadership space, you're always learning and being able to shift and truly do whatever it takes. And, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. We were, we were having this, we had a convention back when we could have in-person events. Yeah. And, you know, Marshall's like, all right, we're going to Vegas. He flew out earlier than I did. I fly in and there's this big gala and I'm all dressed up and we're supposed to get in these two 15 passenger vans to drive over to the MGM Grand Uh and Marshall's not there. And I am texting like a crazy person, like, where are you? What's happening? And he's not responding to me. And I'm like, do I get in this van? What's happening? Yeah. And so I get in the van and I'm mad, like (laughs) really mad. I'm like, I cannot believe that he is not in this freaking van right now. Like what is going on? We pull up to the MGM Grand and I was in the second van and I look up and Marshall hops out of the front seat driving the first fan (laughs) and on the inside i was like oh wow okay you know i mean here this guy could like he could have hired limos for all of us you know to get there and he got in and i was just like that humility that doing whatever it takes is truly what i love about what we create together and what our team embodies is showing up and doing whatever it takes and so when it comes to the role, that's what it is. It's it's a great testament to his character and who he is. He just, no job or part of it is beneath him. Like you I said, he, he's willing to jump in the jump in the driver's seat of the van and shuttle, shuttle people to where we need to go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks volumes about who he is as a person, for sure. Absolutely. So what is the name of this arm of your organization? So our company's called Virtuity Financial. And what we call the initiative is how money works. Okay. And so most of the education that we do is teaching about some of the basic fundamental building blocks of your finances. There's really four of them that we take people through. We teach them four educational principles and then apply them to what we call the seven money milestones. Okay. And what are those seven money milestones, if you don't mind? <laughs> well, the first one is education, okay. obviously. So yeah. it's ed- educating people about how money works and how to make it work for you. And then it's really about getting your financial education, making sure that you are properly protected in case anything happens, an emergency fund. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like the cash that you have on hand and available right. to you sh- should something happen. Debt management. Uh-huh. looking at your cash flow and then building and protecting your wealth. 
Who came up with the name for the initiative? It's a gentleman named Steve Siebold, actually, okay. who's a, a coach out of Atlanta. Okay. Now, how do people get involved if they want to work with, with your organization? Well, we're constantly looking for educators, first and okay. foremost. So, you know, I think it starts with the education piece for individuals. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we have a vision to to educate over a million families. And certainly Marshall and I aren't going to do that alone. No. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we already have a team of about 350 people, but wow. we really... We're looking to, we're always looking for people who want to educate. And so I think obviously people can, can reach out to us and, and whether they're a connector, Mm -hmm. a referrer, they put us in front of different companies. I mean, what we do is so nimble that it really fits into just about anything that anyone can do. And so it's interesting how many parallels there are. And I think you know, we, you and I discussed previously a little bit about the pandemic. Yeah. More and more people are, are realizing how much they weren't prepared. Yeah. And right now, kind of the sexy uh, Instagram topic, I guess, is creating multiple streams of income. Yeah. And so the beautiful thing about what we do is, you know, you can get involved from just an educational piece, whether you Mm -hmm. want to educate yourself or your family or your community, or if you actually want to help join the team and potentially create a passive residual stream of income as an alternative for yourself, you know, Marshall in particularly, but I think both of us are pretty good at finding ways to either work this into whatever your primary mission is in life, or if you want to make this your primary mission in life, we can certainly find a way to do that as well. So there's so many different ways, but really starting and being educated yourself is the most important. And so people can just go to the website and reach out and inquire. Yeah, absolutely. I will give you the the website so that you can post it with the podcast. Perfect. And of course Perfect. you can find us on Instagram at, you know, at Tyree Dillingham or at Marshall Falk Perfect. or at Virtuity Financial, any of those. And, Perfect. you know, we'd love to get you plugged in and educated. Awesome. So Tyree, why is this initiative so personally important to you, both you and Marshall? Well, I think that it is important to me because I grew up as my father passed away when I was a little girl. I was about mm-hmm. five wow. and, and my mom was a single parent and I grew up in a, in a very affluent community and I watched my mom struggle as a single parent. I actually was the only, my brother and I were the only kids in the entire school that had a single parent household. Wow. And it was such a struggle for my mom watching her because she she signed up for the happily ever after plan. Right. She was like, okay, I'm going to be the stay at home mom. And my mom was like Betty Crocker growing up. I mean, <laughs> I have, you know, I mean, we had cookies for all the kids in the class for every holiday and all yeah. the And so I watched her roll up her sleeves and head out into the workforce. And I was like, wow, watching her her struggle and not really be set up to win was probably the initial start of my do-gooderness, I guess, and Mm. giving back and understanding that with with a little bit of planning and thoughtfulness that it could have changed the trajectory of my family. And knowing, you know, now in hindsight, because when I grew up, it was like, you didn't talk about money. It was like, you didn't talk about money, sex, and politics. That's right. And those are all the fun things, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, we don't want to talk about that stuff. And yeah. so I thought, you know, this is crazy that we have never sat down and had like a family plan. Nobody mm-hmm. talks about, okay, where are we going and how can we pool resources and how can we actually change things for the next, the next generations right. coming up. And So that was kind of what started me in that space. And then I think also being a philanthropist my entire life, like since I was a little girl, you know, I knew that I've always understood that I get to do my part to give back and, and make the world a better place because I was a part of it. And so this is just kind of like the perfect opportunity for us. And then several years ago, I had actually attended a Tony Robbins seminar and I was like, you know what? I don't think I know enough about personal finance. And so I'm going to learn about how to invest in stocks and this and that and whatever. And I, I set out on a mission to do that. 
And so that kind of started my journey. And I think it's very much the same for Marshall. He grew up as a, as a product of a, of a single mother. He was the youngest mm-hmm. of six boys. Wow. You know, he didn't even have a bank account when right. he got drafted into the NFL. Holy. So, you know, when, when his agent said, you know, you just got signed by the Indianapolis Colts, here's a check for $5 million. He, he was expecting, uh, you know, the armored car to pull up <laughs> with literally briefcases full of cash. That's what he thought. He's like, where's the money? And his agent was like, uh, you're holding a check right now. He's like, what? No, no. Like, where's the money? But he grew up in a cash-based economy. Right. You know, you weren't exactly like calling your, you know, your people weren't writing checks to each other yeah. for, you know, drug deals and things yeah. like that, you know, in, in the yeah. hood, like that doesn't happen. That's right. So, you know, he, I think we both realized that this was something that, that we really get to take to the masses. Now you'd mentioned philanthropic work, where and when did your journey into that world start for you? And why is that so personally important to you to do that type of work? I think that it really started, I mean, it's something that I've always known. I don't Mm. remember it necessarily starting. It was just who we were. And I mean, I I did grow up Catholic. I grew up in the church and, you know, there I went to Catholic school. And so everything that we did had had a philanthropic kind of portion of it. So it was always... And, and it was something that my mom always instilled in us too. So if we got new clothes, we had to find clothes to donate. Right. If we traveled, we were collecting soaps and shampoos for the local women's shelter. You know, if the holiday was coming up, if we were buying a turkey, we were buying a turkey for other people. And so knowing that my mom, who was always struggling to support us, was also spending to give back. I mean, that was just my example. That's all. That's the only way that I knew was that if you were getting, you were giving. Just in your DNA, just part of who you are. Absolutely. Amazing. I think those are incredible values to be instilled into our children. And that needs to start from a young age. So kudos to your, to your mom. And I think it's incredible. Thank you. Now I know you and I have spoken a bit previous to this and we've spoken about women we've spoken about many things but one of the things specifically that sticks out for me is one of our conversations around women and how women have been affected as a result of the pandemic in terms of job loss and finances and whatnot so what are your thoughts on this subject and how can the initiative that marshall and you have put together and are working on help with that issue do you think so this is the first time we're seeing a recession really impact women. Mm-hmm. And so women have carried the weight of the recession largely on their shoulders and who who knows what's to come moving forward. You know, it's at least in this country as people are transitioning off of unemployment and things like that, we're not really sure what's going to happen, but it's for me it's part of a bigger conversation because Working in politics, people talked about women's issues all the time. I always remember it was like when we were trying to get somebody elected, it was like we would talk about quote unquote women's issues. Right. And, you know, when I look at women in the workplace, it's been the feminist movement intrigues me in a lot of different levels in the way that people understand it or their definition of it. And so as women have gone into the workplace, we see that we have a lot of single working moms out there. And with the pandemic, they then had to not only go out and be the breadwinner and and make money and come home and handle the organization, but then they turned into a teacher and, you know, a full-time chef (laughs) because they're cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner and doing all the things. And, What I think is that it's been a conversation long time coming, Mm -hmm. what the workplace gets to look like for women, because realistically, the social norms have catered to men. Absolutely. And women who do take time off to go have children or take care of children or take care of aging parents, the sandwich generation, as we call them, Mm -hmm. the retirement system, savings plans, the way that people move up in the workplace is really tailored towards men because most women at some point are going to take off a year, two years, several years to have kids, raise a family. And it may not be all at once. Yeah. It might be in chunks of time, but ultimately what it means is that there are interruptions in the, in our careers. Yeah. 
And we don't have things set up like freezing your eggs. So that means that we have a finite window of time to have kids. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have things that are, are set up. We don't have workplace hours that are necessarily malleable to, to the different challenges that women have while running a household and getting kids ready for things and looking at their retirement. So when there's interruptions in the career, there's interruptions in promotions, there's interruptions in earnability, uh-huh. and there's interruptions in retirement savings. And so all of those things have contributed to this inequality in the workplace to begin with. Mm-hmm. Then you throw a pandemic in the mix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah, it's like, exactly. It's like, okay, now what's happening over yeah. here? Let's have a conversation about this. And the interesting thing about the pandemic is that a lot of women decided that they don't want to go back to work, that they actually want to be at home. And so as we're seeing a loss of childcare options uh-huh. due to the pandemic and changes with health codes and things like that. And more and more women are deciding to, to stay at home, maybe even permanently, or are looking for entrepreneurial options yeah. for themselves and their families. And, you know, I don't know what it holds for us, but yeah, what yeah. I do know is that there's a lot of shifts going on right now. And I think that there's a a massive opportunity for us to have some conversations that have really been a long time coming. Do you think that this shift had started before the pandemic set in, or do you think that the shift is really the, the, the meat of it has really happened due to, or as a result of the pandemic? I think the shift was already coming and the pandemic gave it a voice. Right. And this was the pandemic has forced a lot of conversations. I mean, even from the financial literacy space, I mean, not that the pandemic was a good thing, but there are some positive things that have come out of it, including shining a light on people and their lack of financial preparedness, lack of emergency planning, lack of protection for themselves and their families, lack of knowing what they need for retirement. And so even if people didn't go in that depth of it, at least they're kind of like, uh, what I do know is that I don't know. (laughs) And I think the same thing with women and, and women entrepreneurs is that they are, are now thinking to themselves, okay, what can I do so that I can actually be home with my kids? what can I do that allows me to create a both and instead of fitting into what has traditionally been a workplace setting that has been designed for men by men, but what is what does it look like for us and how do we go out and create this? And I think it has enabled and been a catalyst for those conversations that like you said, have been brewing for quite some time. Where and when and how do you, in your opinion, do these conversations start? Like how do we start these conversations and start help the shifts move along, if you will, or help move the needle around this topic, do you think? Well, I think quite frankly, a podcast like yours are a great start because most people in general want to feel heard and like they're not alone. So there's a lot of women are feeling all the feels where it's like, okay, they, maybe they feel guilty about not having been home. Like, wow, I didn't even realize what I was missing before. Yeah. And now that I've been home with my kids for a year and I get to see all this, this is incredible. And so, I mean, it always starts with creating a safe space where people can connect and talk about things. And then, you know, I mean, I, I of course always talk about it from a political standpoint because yeah. there's lots of legislative fixes for things, but more importantly, it's always about the, the world is driven by supply and demand and the tipping point. And so I think that educating each other and finding opportunities for people to connect in spaces and and see what options are available. So I think that that really and truly when when women find something and that's what a lot of female entrepreneurs appreciate and love is that they can, you know, go to yoga in the morning and then pick up and set their schedule the way that they want it to or be home in time for soccer practice or take Fridays off or whatever that might look like for you in your space and so truly showing people once you find something 
that works for you as a woman or even as a man, you know, like our, uh-huh. cause our male counterparts are as important to creating the space for women. And I don't think this is a solely woman's issue by, right. by the way, you know, okay. this, I think that this is like a collective that people are realizing they don't like to be chained to a desk. And now we yeah. realize, Hey, we don't have to in order <laughs> to make the world go around. And so I really think that, that it's about conversation and redefining and sitting in a space that is not about judgment, but it's about possibility. Yeah, this, I mean, the pandemic certainly has, as you said, shone a light on the severity of the problem centered around women. You being in politics, have you seen or did you see when you're in that world entrenched in it? Did you see, have you, were you seeing a shift in dealing with issues like this around women and legislation being talked about more often and, and working towards putting that, those types of things into place? Well, for me, I think that when I started mm-hmm. 20 years ago, well, I actually started in politics interning when I was 12. So okay. I, wow. <laughs> I've been around for, for a while. And, you know, I mean, obviously the world, the working place was a lot different back yeah. then anyways. But quite frankly, one of the reasons that I got out of politics was because I wanted to get married and, and have children. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, this isn't the most conducive environment for that. Right. Because I was working, I mean, literally on a good week, it was 60 hours. Holy <laughs> and, shit. Yeah, it was a lot. And we were always on a news cycle and never failed that when there was a family event or something happening that I got called somewhere or was on a flight going somewhere or something was happening. Right. And so I think that it really has been um, an overall shift. I mean, I, I talk about that. We actually did a women's empowerment event okay. for, for International Women's Day and created yeah. our own uh, women in finance group to allow women to have a space to to connect on some of these issues. But, you know, it's been, I think there's been an overall shift. When I started in the workplace, if I had walked in with a pink sparkly notebook, I mean, I would have been like laughed out of the boardroom, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and now it's like everything that I own is pink. I'm just yeah. like, if you looked at my, at my office, you would think that freaking tooth fairy showed up and just like... <laughs> It's sprinkled sparkle. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, Hey, if there's a pink sparkle, I want that version of it. And so I'm like, this is great. And, and I think that it's been this raising of the collective consciousness Uh that most people don't talk about, but I mean, it's truly people becoming woke as is said sometimes. Yes. Yes. And, And really the, the pandemic is this raising of the global vibration to where people are connecting with what really matters. So the conversation around women to bring it full circle and the opening of these spaces from a political perspective and the like, I think is all changing and evolving as people are becoming more more reconnected and grounded to what really matters in life and what it is that they want to create. Yeah, I really truly believe that this pandemic has done, I mean, yes, of course, there's been a lot of loss and horrible things, but I think it's done a hell of a lot of good too, because as you mentioned, it shone a light on a lot of things that needed light and it's started a shift in a lot of things. So I think there's been a hell of a lot of good. There's been a lot of silver lining in all of this. Absolutely. Tyree, to date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? You know, there's a lot of quote unquote results that I have created in my life and a lot of really amazing things. And when I was in my thirties, I think that listing my resume items was something that was really important to me. And I remember when I made the move to get out of politics, one of the things that I said was, I can't go home and snuggle with my resume. (laughs) Very wise. (laughs) And my whole life, I had been all the things. Yeah. You know, the student body president, the top of my class, the spelling bee champ, the, you know, science Olympiad champ, the Mm -hmm. got the top scholarships. I had done that my entire life. And I was very fortunate to get to do some really, really epic stuff. And I got to travel the world and I've met just about every 
head of state or head spiritual person that you could ever possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I remember when I was in politics and we would travel and we would do these trade missions in foreign countries and, you know, just create. And I think my biggest win or my biggest success is truly understanding the power that I have to create my own destiny. Amazing. And most people will go through life and never really understand that. And they will be a victim to life and let yeah. life happen to them. And I've had times in my life where that was me. Uh-oh. I think but we all the, have. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I think that for me, that is the understanding that I have a soul assignment and that life and this journey that I'm on right now in this body is something that is, is greater than I can probably possibly imagine. And that I have the power to accomplish that and change people's lives and I could sit here and I honestly, I could wow you with a lot of things that I've done. Mm-hmm. But for me, those days are gone. Yeah. Because I don't want people to sit at my funeral and read off my results. Yeah. Your resume. <laughs> my resume. Because what really matters to me is that people get up and say, I felt so loved by her. She made me laugh. We had the best time together. She made me realize what was possible for me in my life. That is what matters to me now. Beautiful. So well said. I mean, it's kind of sad when you think about all the people in the world that never realize, as you said, that life is not happening to them. It's happening for them. And that they are here for a bigger purpose because I believe that everybody on the planet Earth has a purpose here. The millions upon millions of people who never figure that out, never realize that it's just, it's sad to me. Well, we've sort of lost this a rite of passage, as I call it, because as, as children, we're taught to be, you know, self-centered really. Like yeah. it's, it's about, it's about you. You got to figure out you first and how to do it and how to walk and how to run and how to ride the bike and how to do all the things how to cook and clean and all of that. And then traditionally or historically you go through a rite of passage where you realize that, that now that you learned how to do it, it's about the greater good. Yeah. And we have created a world where everybody's so self-centered and entitled and focused on themselves and their accomplishments or their Mm -hmm. results. And, you know, like I wrote this book and, you know, I did this thing and I'm, you know, I'm an author and I'm a this and whatever it is. And we have lost that sense of the rite of passage where people start to have their epiphany about the gifts that they were given and being in contribution Uh to the world to make it a better place. 100% 100% agree with you. Harry, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? My superpower is truly being able to see and hear. And what I mean by that is that people are always tell you who they are. And oftentimes people are listening to one another to respond or they're believing the mask that people are wearing. Mm. So they see a mask and they hear to respond. And I have an ability to see who someone really is in their highest self. And so understanding that and understanding where people come from allows me to be in service inspire and truly help connect people to elevating their potential and possibility to actually realize what it is. And so it's really about, because most people will buy each other's bullshit. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, or they, they look at, I mean, I look all day long at, (laughs) 
you know, the Instagram that's all perfect. Yes. Like every single picture is like a posed picture. Yeah. And they have like the most likes. The and, highlight reel. You know, it's like so inauthentic. I'm like, God, fucking get over yourself. Yeah. Right now. yeah. You know, I can't with that. It's just so, it's too much. Yeah. And, and then people think they have to do that. And so it's like this self-perpetuating thing. And nobody feels like they can be themselves. I mean, it's part of the financial literacy space is that for me, because mm-hmm. we've created a world where nobody feels safe. They, they don't want to ask questions and they don't want to get vulnerable. And so it's like, if you can't ask questions and not know, because everyone feels like they got to know it all yeah. or they can't be the, they're the one guy or the one girl in their group that isn't ready for retirement yeah. when in reality, nobody probably is and doesn't really know what's happening. And so when, when I'm able to truly see people and hear them, hear what they're saying, not just regurgitate. Yeah. Or, or by their story or their ego-based conversation, then I can create a level of authenticity with them and evoke the authenticity out of them. And so it allows me to create some really genuine and real connections with people and help them, support them in achieving their soul mission in this lifetime. That's an incredible superpower. And it's, you're right. I mean, it's all about connection and helping one another and giving back and having impact. That's what life is all about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of success, what does that word mean to you? How do you define the word success? Success to me is really about leaving everything on the table. Let me put it this way, leaving everything on the field. So giving it your all because I, for me there, I coach a lot of people who are really connected to the results. If I don't make this much money, then I'm not successful. If I don't achieve this level of whatever, if I'm not a hall of fame football player, then I'm not successful Right. or whatever that may be. And so it's really understanding that when when you have the intention and you give it your all, you leave it all on the table, that is truly success. So knowing it's a knowingness on the inside that that you did whatever it took because most people don't do that. They don't live their relationships that way. They don't. They don't live their life that way. It's yeah. like, oh, maybe tomorrow. I'll start yeah. eating healthy tomorrow. Yeah. I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll, oh, well, of course my mom knows that I love her. You know, of course my friends know how much they mean to me. It's always this sort of kicking the can down the road conversation. And so for me, it's like when you give it all you got and understanding life is now. Yeah. Tomorrow is not promised. That's right. And so celebrating the little wins that, that, you know, and today may not be as good as yesterday. You may not have the energy you had yesterday because who knows, maybe you were up late or maybe you're not feeling well today or, you know, whatever may be happening in your life, but that you went and played all out that I played all out. Mm -hmm. That is success. I love it. That's awesome. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Mm, Vulnerability, for sure. And it is a dance for me. (laughs) (laughs) And some days I am, you know, it's like I have two left feet. And some days (laughs) I'm doing the waltz. Yeah. But I think that it is, I was always great at being a good ear for other people and showing up for other people. And I couldn't show up for myself. And that was being part of that part of showing up for myself was understanding flow Mm -hmm. and truly giving and receiving. And so when I was able to receive and be vulnerable with people and allowing them to show up for me the way that I showed up for them, And that the key to all of that is vulnerability, because when I couldn't get real with people and let them know how they could support me, 
I was really being a taker. Right. Because I was robbing people of the opportunity to have the same joy that I got for showing up for them. Was that out of, do you think, partially anyways, out of fear for being rejected when asking for help or asking someone to, to, to be there to lean on? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I think I think it was a fear of being let down. Right. And that, yeah, I mean, which it all ultimately boils down to a self-worth conversation. I mean, I can boil everything down to a self-worth conversation, <laughs> but really and truly, I'm, you know, like, okay, I'm, you know, maybe I'm not worthy of them showing up for me. They'll show up for, for that girl, but not for me or that guy, and not, but not for me. And what do I not have that they don't have? And so I wouldn't even be vulnerable enough to allow people to show up for me or have the opportunity ever to show up for me because of that self-worth conversation. Thank you for taking me there today, Brad, Coach <laughs> Brad over here on the podcast and coming to you live. That, that was absolutely, it was, it was a self-worth conversation. And I think that what my life was like before that was lonely and walled off and guarded. And what my life is like after it is being comfortable, being uncomfortable. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? I think being in flow probably is what inspires me the best, the most, and and makes me feel like myself. And what I mean by that is like when I sit in a space of authenticity and listen to myself and I can be in flow because I believe that that we all are what everything that we need. We have all the answers. They're inside of us if we ever just take the time to listen from the little things to the big things. So when the alarm goes off in the morning, like, am I going to get up right now? Uh, <laughs> am I going to be my word to myself? You know, to the big things like, okay, am I going to invest in this? Am I going to buy this house? Am I going to take this career? Am I going to have children right now? You know, all the big questions to the little questions. We already know the answer to those things and we just have to connect. And so for me, what inspires me is that I am my best self when I'm listening to myself. And that inspires me because it feels so authentic and it feels so free and it feels so easy. And for any of you that golf, it's like when you hit a good shot and you're like, wow, it like the ball did what it's supposed to do. Like it didn't, <laughs> it just sails down the fairway. And I had a great shot instead of hitting the big ball or the planet earth. And now my arms <laughs> hurt tomorrow. And you know, that just didn't really go according to plan. So, I mean, it's like that, the being in flowness to me feels so inspiring because I just get so excited about it all. And I know that I can create all of the things and then I'm going to call in exactly what I quote unquote need or what I'm blessed to have called into my life when I'm actually in flow and being authentic and listening to myself. Authenticity and active listening. I love it. What was a turning point in your life and how did that affect you, Tyree? I've had a lot of, a lot of turning points in my life, but I would say I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, briefly when was when my, my mom had to have surgery and I remember calling her one day, I was driving somewhere, who knows, I don't know what part of California I was in, but I was in the car and I called my mom about something and she answered the phone and I just started talking like word vomiting all over her, like, la, 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 and I stopped and she didn't respond and I could hear that she was crying and I was like, mom, are you okay? And, and she's like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, what? You're crying. Yeah. And she said, <clears throat> well, I haven't been able to walk for the last four months. Wow. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And she said, well, I'm having this back pain. My discs are sliding out of my back and they're pinching the nerves and I need to have surgery. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? She said, well, I know that you're doing so many important things and this just isn't that important. I'm like, my mom can't walk and she thinks that's not an important thing in my life. How in the heck am I showing up in my life? Wow. That must have been one hell of an awakening. Oh, I freaking got off the phone with her. I bawled my eyes out. Mm -hmm. And 
I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, when's your next appointment? I flew up to Sacramento and I said, I went to the doctor's office with her. I got her all set up, but that's when I truly realized that something had to change in my life. And I was friends with a gentleman named Carter Lay. His family had a small potato chip company. You maybe heard of yes. it. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, very small potato chip company. A small potato chip company. <laughs> and Carter had had cancer and mm. kind of went through his own epiphanies. And so he actually introduced me to to my first <laughs> like transformational training. And I mean, I was the most self-righteous, pompous. I mean, you have no no idea. I mean, it was just embarrassing, really. When I look back, I'm like, oh, God. Like, Look at who you are now. I mean, (laughs) wow. Yeah, I mean, it was really, I mean, I know. It's it's like, it's night and day, truly. Like, if you had met me back then, you would be like, ugh. (laughs) And I didn't even know it. That was the thing. Like, I didn't even know it. And it was just such an ego-based conversation that I was having. And so, you know, I basically ended up going through this transformational training because Carter was kind of like, all right, here, go do this. Yeah. And so, anyways, I went through it and it just put me on a totally different trajectory. And that's kind of how I ended up on this coaching journey. And all of those things was this major turning point, as you put it in my life. And it, it caused me to reevaluate everything. And, and all of my answers today that we've talked about and all the questions that you've asked me really kind of stem from that, because that's when I realized about results and needing to have success and all those things that I used to think were important, but what really mattered was love. What an incredible transformation. That's amazing. Terry, what does the word empowerment mean to you? Mm, Empowerment to me is really evoking people to see and believe in themselves and know that they matter and that they're worthy and their purpose matters. And so when people understand that, they, they get the power that they have to affect change in their life and in the world. And that means that they're empowered. Beautiful. When people are coming from that space, Mm -hmm. they're empowered. Love it. What is one of your favorite quotes? Mm, You have to have been in the deepest valley to understand the magnitude of the highest mountain. That's a great one. (laughs) It's a a Richard Nixon quote, actually. And yeah, it's always stuck with me. I love it. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? (laughs) Love. What was your dream job as a child? To be president of the United States. That's a lofty goal. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Money or fame? Oh, I I knew this one was coming and I'm just like, money. What's the first thing you think when I say the word future? Mm, Possibility. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Love. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? I want everyone to understand that they're worthy, they matter, and their purpose matters. What is one of your favorite entrepreneurial books? Think and Grow Rich. Entrepreneur Life is? Exciting. My favorite way to unwind is? Meditate. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Propaganda. Okay, and that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly <laughs> scheduled program. <laughs> I know, I was like, how do we say all these questions in one answer? <laughs> I told you, Brad, I, I can talk, so. That's okay. What is the most recent investment you've made in yourself? The most recent investment I made in myself was... I, I hired a, a business coach. What is your personal motto? Lead with love. You could set up a billboard anywhere. Where would you put it and what would it say? I would put it in Times Square and it would say, I am. Okay. What is one of your biggest failures or teachable moments, we'll say, and what did you learn from that? My biggest failure was probably, I mean, that's a really tough question for me. I thought about that one quite a bit because 
I don't actually look back on anything as a failure, mm-hmm. but um, definitely some teachable moments I think have always evolved around when I didn't listen to myself and when I let somebody else influence me who maybe didn't have my best interest at heart. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? I would say, I mean, my my mother for sure, like unequivocally, I mean... She is the absolute essence of possibility, grace. She is the most loving individual on the planet. She truly embodies everything that I hope to even come close to in my life. Beautiful. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? (laughs) I mean, it's kind of a... I guess more of a a technical question, but mm-hmm. I mean, I would have asked, why is it important for people to understand the energy around money and how they have the power to create it? Okay. Well, there you go. Answer your question. Oh, so you want me to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you tricked me, Brad. <laughs> I could appreciate that. I think it's important because it's energy makes the world go round. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the most under talked about things. And and a lot of people don't understand that the same energy that turns on your lights yeah. in your house is the energy that you have to call things in. And so again, not to get too technical about it, because it could be an entire podcast episode in and of itself. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have you back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but understanding, you know, so so when you understand like uh, human design and the energy centers that you have in your body, that the sun is constantly firing off all day long, millions, billions, trillions of of neutrinos that are going into your life. And that's what powers your body. It's what powers your lights. It's what powers the feeling that you get from somebody else when you walk into a room and you're like, oh, something feels funny over here. And I don't really know what that is. And so most people don't have a true understanding of energy and they, they silo it. And so when we talk about, when I talk about money mm-hmm. and the prosperity or the physical manifestation of it, most people underestimate all the things that go into being able to call that into your space and into your life. And basically you being able to set your coordinates for creating that prosperity by leveraging energy and the power of the mind Hmm. Okay. Very. And I think that is definitely a podcast episode. So <laughs> I think we I will told have... you it was really technical, but it's one of the things that I like to talk about the most because it has so much possibility and it is one of the most under tapped and under talked about and the most underutilized superpower that every single human on this planet possesses. I would love to have you back to do an episode on that. If you would be so kind as to do that episode. Yeah, you bet. Awesome. What do you think the most common reason for people failing or giving up is? They need to prove themselves right or wrong. Okay. What are you most proud of? I am most proud of my ability to request feedback and shift So being able to understand that I maybe have blind spots that I'm not aware of Uh and surrounding myself with the right people to, to show me myself in the mirror. Amazing. If you could go back Tyree and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? To really to, to love myself and embrace all of me, like stop trying to be what somebody else wants me to be or what somebody else thinks it should be because I was so longing for acceptance and love from external sources instead of being that for myself. Beautiful. I love it. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? All problems 
all challenges, everything that manifests in this world is manifesting because we are not leading with love. So when you understand that love always wins and love is the answer, we will truly get to a space of world peace and abundance. Beautiful. I love that. Tyree, thank you so, so very much for taking the time to be here today and be a guest on the podcast and share your story and your journey and what you are doing in this world to make this world a better place and to help people financially and all of that. I think it's incredible work you're doing and uh, you should be very proud of yourself and what you're doing. I just want you to know how much I appreciate you taking the time and you're now a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you for being part of that as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your vision and your mission in this world and what it is that you're doing to help people and and educate women and empower them. I think it's beautiful. And thank you so much for your investment into making the world a better place because you were a part of it. Well, thank you. That's so nice of you. And I will be calling on you to come back and do another episode for sure. Absolutely. Anytime. (laughs) Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Tyree Doham. She is a financial empowerment trainer and advisor based in San Diego, California. Thank you again so much, Tyree. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thanks. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.